Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Welcome to it. This is Untapped Talent with myself, Sia Sangweni Finn, right here on cliffcentral.com. We do this every single Friday between 9 and 10 a.m. where I get to chat to young up-and-coming people who are doing incredible things. I feel like I say that every single week, week in, week out. But you know what? I say that because it's the truth. Thank you so much for having us on and sticking with me, hopefully, for the rest of the hour. As I chat to my guests, who I'm very excited to have on this week. So first and foremost, I'll be chatting to someone who is doing something I've never heard of and going into uncharted territory, really, I don't want to make it sound so dramatic, but (laughs) it's one of those things. And hence why I'm excited to get to know her a little bit more. Her name is Samaya Damar. Firstly, what an exotic name. I think she already has cool points in my book simply based on that. But she's a fashion law consultant. Now, this is a profession that is actually relatively new to South Africa, but in the US it's supposedly a big thing and it's gained like measurable traction over the past years. But uh, what fashion law actually is and how you go about being a consultant is that it's giving legal advice to not only fashion designers, but also artists and photographers and dancers, basically creatives as a whole. Now, uh, uh, Samaya's speciality lies in safeguarding copyright and intellectual property laws which for artists has always been like a thorn in their sides with some corporates taking advantage for of un, unprotected creatives. So I really find that it's quite interesting that we are now progressing in South Africa to the point where we now need fashion law consultants. I think, A, this is a great thing for our nation and the industries associated. Um, but then, B, I want to know what are the challenges of navigating in this sort of industry that is not really big and why is it so important that we now have it? And where are we in South Africa in our creative industries to, uh, yeah, where are we in the greater scheme of things where we now actually need such roles? So it'll be interesting just to get to know her a little bit more. Um, and then later on in the show, uh, another person I'm very excited to have on. He's a comedian and more than that, he'll be performing tonight, a, Friday the 4th of December at the Roast Gala with international comedian Jeff Ross and also some of our own locals, uh, Celeste Ndouli, Dusty Rich, Chris Forrest and TG Squared, Trevor Goomby as well and even John Flismus um, at Silver Star Casino actually from 5pm. It's part of the whole International Comedy Festival uh, by Comedy Central. So I want to find out you know, how excited he is. He's known as like this fresh-faced uh, comedian with a fresh approach described as a deadpan one-liner comic. His name is Dylan Oliphant. And, uh, you know, I don't even know what being described as a deadpan one-liner comic is. <laughs> but, hey, he won an award in 2012, I think it was. Yeah, he was named the Newcomer of the Year at the annual SA Comics Choice Awards. So that's quite a cool thing. And now he's going on and he's achieving such great things, including playing tonight at the International Comedy Festival. Um, so we aren't live, actually, uh, today. Uh, but that doesn't stop actually getting to chat to interesting people, telling their stories, getting to know more about them, and also doing things that we do every single week on the show. And one of them being our cover of the week. So, you know, every single week, whenever I'm having a little moment and I'm obsessed with a brand new song and I like to see what people are doing with it in terms of their covers on YouTube, I like to go into the interweb, as the Antwerp would say, and I find out more about that. And I hear people's uh, different takes on different songs. And so what I stumbled on this week is a song I didn't like to begin with. <laughs> and I'm sure some of you will actually agree with me on this. It's Fight Song by Rachel Platten. You know, it, it, I think I didn't like it because it just sounded like, I don't know, like something out of glee. Um, but I think what actually changed for me in terms of this whole thing was when I found out the backstory to it. So if you don't know Fight Song, Um, She's a relatively unknown artist and, you know, the song actually comes out of, and you'll listen to the lyrics in just a bit, but really is about determination and perseverance and going out there for your dreams. And so Rachel Platten says that writing the song and now singing the song was inspired by a lot of her own experiences. Uh, She was going through a lot of hurt because she wasn't, you know, 
really getting a chance within the industry. She wrote the song because she needed to remind herself that, you know, she actually could go out there and do it. And so no, no matter what, you know, she was still going to make music, even if it was going to be on a small scale because major success wasn't really uh, coming her way. So she really challenged herself in writing this uh, in the past couple of years and really being so vulnerable in her lyrics as well. She didn't want to skate past what she was, what was hurting her. Um, but I commend her. She really was not scared to be vulnerable and she really went out there. And at the end of it, it was something absolutely great. And by great, I mean, there's been amazing, amazing achievements for the song. It was released in Feb of this year and it's already peaked uh, in at number six, actually, when it debuted in Billboard Hot 100. And outside of the United States, Fight Songs has also top charts in the UK. It's also peaked in the top 10 of the charts in Australia, in Canada, New Zealand, in Ireland, um, even in Slovakia. Now, when you make it in a random country like Slovakia, you really know you've done well. It sold millions of copies in the United States, earning a platinum certification. And it's also reached number 20 on the Billboard's 200. Now, what really made me turn around with the song was when I was actually watching the uh, finale of Idols uh, here in South Africa. And I was like, oh, okay, well, uh, because the top 10 performed the song. And I was like, okay, it's kind of catchy. Am I now finally going to give in to the song? And I did more uh, background information on the song. Love Rachel Platten now. I can officially say that I'm a reformed fan. And more than that, when I actually found this cover by Nikki and Gabby. Now, Nikki and Gabby are YouTubers. They actually have a channel uh, originally called Nikki and Gabby with more than 2.5 million subscribers. And, you know, they call themselves a girly, one is a girly girl and the other's a hipster. And they just make videos uh, from singing to just funny and relatable topics to DIYs to fashion and to beauty. So go ahead and visit their channel, Nikki and Gabby on YouTube. But more than that, you can also find this cover, the cover of Fight Song by Rachel Platten. Now, uh, also bear in mind, I think it's quite interesting. After this, you can also actually go and just watch Watch the video because they also raise awareness on bullying and standing up against bullying, which I think makes the whole cause even better. So let me not talk about this anymore and I'll actually make the song uh, do more of its talking. So this is Nick and Gabby YouTubers uh, taking on Rachel Platten's fight song. My powers turns on starting right now. Ah, Nikki and Gabby with their cover of Rachel Platten's fight song. Here's the thing. I think I've officially converted everyone who will listen to this. If you did not like the song and you still kind of think it's a bit too glee or slash high school musical-ish as I did as well, I hope you somehow reformed because it's all about the message behind the song at the end of the day. Kudos on Rachel. She's now gone out there. You know, there she was. She thought she, this was the end of her in the music industry. She releases this and it changes everything. And more than that, Nick and Gabby as well for doing the cover amazingly I think and also just raising awareness on bullying so I hope this stays with you for the rest of the week and you go about with your business and you find out that you're now umming and humming and dancing dancing along to like Rachel Platten's fight song but anyway other than that that's done and dusted I think that was nice and cool but straight off this talking to uh, continuing the conversation right on Untapped Talent with Samaya Damar who's a fashion law consultant this is Untapped Talent on cliffcentral.com Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. So this is Untapped Talent with myself, Sia Sangweni Finn, and we're continuing the conversation. Now, this time around, I'm chatting to someone really, I want to get into the bottom of what she actually does. All the way from Cape Town, joining us, she was telling me just in a, lit, a little early that she's casually at Canal Walk right now. Hello, Sumeya. <laughs> Hi, Sia. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm envious and jealous. I will not even lie. <laughs> I don't blame you. Oh, you see you Cape Town people. Let's talk about <laughs> about the view you're seeing right now because then I'll tell you mine <laughs> <laughs> what's the view what are you looking at right now well the canals are fabulous let's just put it like that <laughs> okay want to know what I'm looking at <laughs> traffic 
grey concrete buildings and traffic. Oh. So. <laughs> Such is life. You know, you know, when I'm down in Cape Town, then it will all be worth it. But <laughs> let's actually talk about you now for a second. It's all about the business of fashion law. What does that yes. even mean? I, I was just saying at the top of the show, I think it's so great that we're now at a position in this country that the fashion industry is growing to the point where we need fashion law consultants. Wow. Yes. You know, yes. what does that actually mean, though? What does being a fashion law consultant encapsulate? It's intellectual property law. So fashion law is basically a field surrounding issues that arise at the step, at each step of the life of a garment or fashion accessory. So um, fundamental issues in fashion law include intellectual property law, which is trademarks, copyrights, patent design, business and finance. And uh-huh. then subcategories range from employment and labor law to real estate, textile production, etc. So it, it also goes into different industries, including photography, modeling, media, cosmetics, perfume. It's yeah, a broad range of elements. Wow. Okay. But let's backtrack just a tiny little bit. How does one become a fashion law consultant? What do you study? Um, there has recently been a fashion law uh, degree um, in the U.S. It hasn't appeared in South Africa as yet. So um, fashion law is developed in the U.S., the U.K., Australia, but nothing in South Africa. So um, my background uh, is in law and fashion. So I've decided to put the two together and start fashion law in South Africa. And um, so, yeah, that's how it began. Wow. Were you always interested more in fashion or was it more about law and the serious side of things? <laughs> it's actually both. I studied, started off um, working at many law firms and studying law for many years and I majored in intellectual property law. Uh-huh. So um, I applied that and, you know, I sort of, I love fashion and I've always, um, yeah, it's been my passion, my drive and all of that. So I've also worked in the fashion industry doing many different things, um, a fashion trend forecaster, styling, designing, and everything. So I've put together um, experiences from different um, part, different industries and just merged them into one. So I, I think I love both at the same time, yeah. And I feel like, yeah, you know what, this is not helping with my self-esteem. You're in Cape Town. <laughs> what a fantastic place to be. Then you, you have combined both of your passions, fashion and law. You practice from Greenpoint. I'm like, <laughs> please tell me you have like an extra toe on your left foot or something. <laughs> no such luck. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, this is not helping whatsoever. So what does a typical day look like for you? For me, it's consulting with clients and I try to protect the um, fashion industry, like the designers. Um, so I would draw up contracts for them. So what they would need is, uh, for example, a confidentiality agreement in place to protect themselves from their designs from being copied. So um, yeah, and they get their retailers, suppliers, uh, manufacturers to sign it and then that's one element of protecting themselves. But how do you make, you know, this, yeah, it's quite a tricky one. How does one trademark a design? You know, because I can, you know, design a dress and it will be red. And I say I was inspired by the song Lady in Red. And then you also design something similar and say you were inspired by Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> that's, the, that's the difficulty. But you can register the aesthetics of the design, which means the appearance of it, and that would last you 15 years. So if somebody does try to... Um, oh, what's happening in the background does, there? Sorry. <laughs> People. <laughs> so, yeah, so if somebody does try to steal your designs or rip off your design, then um, you have your design registered, so oh. protected. Oh, wait, hold up. Sorry, I'm struggling to hear you now with the uh, people in the background there. Just Sorry, tell- oh, no, I told them to shush. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Damn it. Coming to, trying to come in. Cracking the, the whip here. Trying to come between, you know, my pivotal lesson here. Anyway. <laughs> um, so in a practical sense, let's just say Chanel is coming out with a new collection and they have wanted to revisit the 80s with shoulder pads. 
Can Chanel trademark the shoulder pad design for the year 2016? Am no. I am I making the mark here? No, am I missing the point? <laughs> no, um, you cannot you cannot trademark um, such things. Like trademark belongs. Um, how can I say? You know, like a logo or your. Ah, yeah. okay, okay. So if you're talking about copyrights, um, it, it's tricky because you you. You know, if you design something, uh-huh. the copyright belongs to you. Like you, you don't have to register it. You can if you want to, but the copyright automatically vests in you. So now if somebody, I get it. yeah, yeah. So, so the shoulder pads and general things cannot <laughs> trademark copyright. No. Okay, let me try to be the A student now to prove that I actually do understand this. Sure. Um, my name is Lenny. Um, Vincent. So my initials are LV, and I decide to start my own label, label, and it will be called Lenny Vincent. But my logo cannot be the L and the V overlapping in the similar way that Louis Vuitton has theirs. No, it cannot be, and especially. Um, Yay! Yeah. I got the point. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> got yeah, it. So okay. You, you cannot um, do such things. You can. Uh, especially initials like that. And Louis Vuitton has enforced their trademark against many, many, many people, as you yeah, probably know that they do get ripped off a lot. Yes. So, yeah, I would not advise you to ever do that, Lenny. <laughs> and more than that as well, though, um, I know Donna Karen, for example, who started DKNY, doesn't own her name. Is that true? Donna Karen... Um, what, how do you mean she doesn't own her name? As in, she started DKNY, Donna Karen yes. New York, and yes. she then sold her company to a bigger corporation. So Yes, like it's a sort of a license. Sorry, like a licensing <laughs> situation. Yes, so she's licensed it to somebody else, so which means they are using her name and paying her a royalty for it. So, so. she now cannot start another Dor- Donna Karen, even if it's her name. No, she can't. If she sold her license, uh, the license to her name, to another company, then she cannot do it without their consent. Oh my goodness. So she sold yeah. her soul to the devil? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> I find this very fascinating. I'm sure, are there certain loopholes? For example, can she at least do Donna Karen lifestyle and she releases like a range of furniture? Or is she really exclusively not allowed to use her name anymore? It depends on the agreement that she has with the person that has purchased her name. Mm-hmm. So if, if they, there, there can be many loopholes, but it depends on what the actual agreement states. Wow. Look yeah. at this. We can go on and on. And I really find this so fascinating. And more than that, I find it fascinating that this is now growing in South Africa. For your own personal growth and for the growth of the law and fashion industries in South Africa, where would you like to see us headed? I would like to see us headed to a direction where they like copyright or copying is taken down, you know, like nobody copies each other. Like you can be inspired by another designer, but it's not necessary to take their designs from Ooh, the runway. Someone else is interrupting us in the background. <laughs> there we go, we're good again. Uh-huh. He's gone. Um so yes, um where was I? Uh, where we other designers can be at least inspired by fellow designers, but definitely not yes. deliberately copy. Yeah, absolutely. And also, it's very um, in South Africa. The um, nothing is kind of solid, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd like to put systems in in place, and um, the, like the designers need to protect themselves. So I would like to protect them as well or help them protect themselves. So, yeah. Got it. And for your own personal ambitions, if I were to look at Sumea in five years' time uh, with the growth of the SA Fashion Law, your own company, where would you like to see yourself headed? I would like to see the company grow to a point where there are different divisions for different um, parts of the industry. Like there would be, um, for example, a whole... Uh, a photography department or an artist department, musician department, you know, even the fashion department type of thing, but different elements of that, like a firm, like sort of attorneys or consultants with me yeah. that can grow this this business. 
if that, you know what I mean. That's awesome. And listen, I just feel like you have your head on screwed up the right way and you definitely mm-hmm. someone to make that happen for yourself. Samaya, thank you so much for being part of the show this morning. And where, thank you, Sia. Where can people get more information on you and your company? Um, you can find me on social media, SA Fashion Law, or you can check me out on my website. It's www.safashionlaw.co.za. Fantastic stuff. All the best uh, for your company. And you know what? At least just take some two seconds in Yana just to breathe this coming holidays. All right? Deal? Yes, thank you. Fantastic. And, and just know that I still secretly envy you being in Greenpoint and having an awesome life. <laughs> oh, you need to come visit soon. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I think then we must make it happen. But awesome yes, stuff. Thank you. you so much for being part of Untapped oh, Talent this morning. You. Cheers, thank cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Keeping it real. On cliffcentral.com. Welcome to it. This is Untapped Talents with myself, Sia Sangwenifin, right here on cliffcentral.com. We do this every single Friday between 9 and 10 a.m. where I get to chat to young up-and-coming people who are doing incredible things. I feel like I say that every single week, week in, week out. But you know what? I say that because it's the truth. Thank you so much for having us on and sticking with me, hopefully, for the rest of the hour. As I chat to my guests who I'm very excited to have on this week. So first and foremost, I'll be chatting to someone who is doing something I've never heard of and going into uncharted territory really I don't want to make it sound so dramatic but (laughs) it's one of those things and hence why I'm excited to get to know her a little bit more her name is Samaya Damar firstly what an exotic name I think she already has cool points in my book simply based on that but she's a fashion law consultant. Now, this is a profession that is actually relatively new to South Africa, but in the US, it's supposedly a big thing and it's gained like measurable traction over the past years. But uh, what fashion law actually is and how you go about being a consultant is that it's giving legal advice to not only fashion designers, but also artists and photographers and dancers, basically creatives as a whole. Now, uh, uh, Samaya's speciality lies in safeguarding copyright and intellectual property laws which for artists has always been like a thorn in their sides with some corporates taking advantage for of un, unprotected creatives. So I really find that it's quite interesting that we are now progressing in South Africa to the point where we now need fashion law consultants. I think, A, this is a great thing for our nation and the industries associated. Um, but then, B, I want to know what are the challenges of navigating in this sort of industry that is not really big and why is it so important that we now have it? And where are we in South Africa in our creative industries to, uh, yeah, where are we in the greater scheme of things where we now actually need such roles? So it'll be interesting just to get to know her a little bit more. Um, and then later on in the show, uh, another person I'm very excited to have on. He's a comedian and more than that, he'll be performing tonight, a, Friday the 4th of December at the Roast Gala with international comedian Jeff Ross and also some of our own locals, uh, Celeste Ndouli, Dusty Rich, Chris Forrest and TG Squared, Trevor Goombi as well and even John Flismus um, at Silver Star Casino actually from 5pm. It's part of the whole International Comedy Festival uh, by Comedy Central. So I want to find out you know, how excited he is. He's known as like this fresh-faced uh, comedian with a fresh approach described as a deadpan one-liner comic his name is Dylan Oliphant and I you know I don't even know what being described as a deadpan one-liner comic is <laughs> but hey he won an award in 2012 I think it was yeah he was named the newcomer of the year at the annual essay comics choice award so that's quite a cool thing and now he's going on and he's achieving such great things including playing tonight at the international comedy festival keeping it real Cliffcentral.com. So this is Untapped Talents right here on cliffcentral.com with myself, Sia Sangweni Finn, and we're continuing the conversation with a comedian, Mr. Dylan Oliphant. And I have to, the one liner I've received about you, Dylan, is that you are a fresh-faced com- comic with a fresh approach described as a deadpan one-liner comic. What and how is that? What, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> it means I, I don't go through any emotion on stage. Is is that an intentional thing? It's an intentional thing, yeah. It's a thing that I... It's it's my thing. It's a thing that people actually like about me. Okay, you see, this is why... You know, I, I feel like comedians often get uh, stand-up comedians at that often get like this rap of like ah they're just standing on stage it's five minutes it's easy and simple no thought goes into it but the fact that you intentionally think 
this is going to be my style of comedy. I'm going to be deadpanned and this is going to help ultimately in the delivery. That shows that a lot of thought goes into a set. A lot of thought goes into comedy. People, people seem to think it's just a clown up there. Yeah, yeah. But it, there's a lot of, um, it's methodical. Comedy is, is methodical in uh-huh, some way. Uh-huh. It's also an, it's also a gift, but also you can, you can learn how to, how to, how to read a room and how to tell if, if that's going to be funny or not. Yeah. yeah. So then where do you go? You know, I think it's one thing to be naturally funny. But when did you switch and decide, okay, cool, I think I can now see human behavior. I can sit at a coffee shop and actually find material and go onto stage and make that funny to people. When did you decide that you can do that and want to pursue comedy as a career? Well, I, um, it was right. After the World Cup, I thought if Bafana can be funny, <laughs> like if Bafana can be funny, why can't I be funny? I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they live guys. Well, they're, they're funny for other reasons. I <laughs> same Arma Bafana. Yeah. Yes. So I, I did a year in um, journalism, and I was like, ah, too many facts. I'm not a one for facts. <laughs> I like, or, or wasn't just too serious for just you? Just too serious. Because now me, you have yeah. to go and you have to talk to someone who just lost a, a parent or yeah, an accident said, or something. Yeah. So that was just not my, not my. And I told my father, told my parents, I'm out. I want to do comedy. Yes. yes. Were they supportive there was of that? A, there was a difficult conversation (laughs) (laughs) was it like as strenuous do you still have to make them see that you're actually uh, making a good decent career and living out of this or do they now fully support what you're doing well my parents my my father the first year was kind of tough for him because my father's a is a principal at a school so he's he's all about education yes and that's that's his thing you know and then it was difficult for him to accept that his son does not want to go the the route exactly that he wants him to wants me to go but then um did he like push you into journalism a bit or did he he just want you to have a good into learning yeah Yeah. into into school into school after school Uh (laughs) and then I was just like, I don't want to do journalism. I don't want to, I want to go do comedy. I want to go write jokes. Then I would have loved to just be a fly on the wall <laughs> when you have to sit your principal father down. You're like, yo, dad, <laughs> love you, pops, but I just want to make people laugh. I just want to make jokes. Well, he said that right afterwards, he did say that whatever I choose, I, he knows I'll be successful in. So it wasn't like, uh-huh. it was a bit difficult for him to swallow. But, but it's awesome to have that sort of support, though. That's yeah, a no, thing. definitely. Yeah. yeah. And w- what was it like venturing into the comedy world? Because there you are. You're still young. You now have made the decision to not study further, but you want to take this 100% seriously. You know, wasn't that kind of intimidating? And where do you even go in South Africa to pursue comedy? So I did my first open spot at um, Parker's Comedy Club in Monte Casino, right? Okay. And then... I met someone there who gave me someone's number yeah. who does a weekly gig. You every think it's Wednesday. always the brother of the sister's friend's cousin, <laughs> someone with good connections. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went to the, um, they, they hosted a comedy show in Ozone every Wednesday, mm-hmm. every Wednesday in Soweto. And then I went to him, asked him for a spot. Yeah. And I did my spot there for like a month. And he said, I can come back whenever I like it. I can come back every Wednesday just to come and work That's on my stuff. That's awesome. And yeah, that's where I find that was my playground. That was the where I started learning how how this works and how that works, you know. And what Call sort of next, you know, what kind line of, gets a reaction from what the kind crowd. of line yeah. gets a reaction? I did that for a month, and then I actually entered a competition, um, Parker's Comedy Club, and I won that competition. Wow, so it was weird. Like in my first month, just. So that was, I think that was a big sign of like, maybe I really can yeah, pursue think, comedy. Yeah, maybe well. I can, yeah. Even my parents are like, eh. yeah. parents are a bit light on because they wanted me to go to job interviews, you know. Yeah. But then I was like, no. Nah. You're like the suit and tie thing. <laughs> and mm, suit, I'm, those I, nine I, to five things yeah, are my thing. I now win competitions for comedy, so yeah. I think I'm pretty good on that <laughs> I'm like, just chill. I, I won that competition, yeah. Wow. And I did. My first, I always brag about this. My first paid spot was, yeah. <laughs> my first paid spot was with Trevor Noah. So, I, so, yeah, so like you, so you Trevor just there, so I was just there doing my first paid spot with Trevor Noah. Just casually. Just casually. Yeah, I, we're going to talk a little later about the people you're rubbing shoulders with because you're playing tonight with yeah. someone who's very, very cool, uh, Mr. Jeff Ross. But uh, I want to know, what have you learned about the South African audience? You know, is there such a term as a South African audience? And do we all laugh at the same things? You know, does just mentioning politics resonate with everyone, you know? Um, 
South, South African audiences love politics. They uh-huh. love politics. I think that's why Trevor is such a, cause he just mimics like Chekhov Suma <laughs> and I don't actually, I don't really do politics. Uh-huh. But the audiences here, we're learning, we're learning how to be comedy audiences. Sometimes mm-hmm. we don't really understand. We think screaming out while a performer is on stage is, but it's part of the thing. It makes the show better, but it really yeah. doesn't make the yeah. show better. It just makes you. It throws it, you off. He's just an idiot for for, <laughs> for 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 screaming stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't come to your job and just scream things out loud. <laughs> hey, but listen, we clap for you. You don't come to our desk and you clap for us on a Monday morning, even though we wish we had it. But. Uh, isn't it a good sign then that at least we are coming out in our masses to now support comedy and more than that, we're laughing at ourselves, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. Uh-huh. I mean, we need, everyone needs to laugh at themselves. Can't take yourself too seriously. So it's kind of good that we can laugh at things. Like last night, I did a, I did a gig last night and, um, I did a cancer joke, right? Now, usually cancer is a bit frowned oh, upon. Yeah. I did the joke, right? And after the show, a lady t- came to me and she's like, um, I lost, uh, a family member to cancer, uh-huh. but you made me realize that something there's nothing that cannot be laughed at. Wow! Wow! She lost like a, she buried a family member like last month. Shucks! So, so like, yeah. wow, that's what humor can do. <laughs> do. Do you feel that there's such a thing as a a joke too soon? Too soon? No, because if it's not too soon, then it's too late. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> for example, you know, I always felt like with the Oscar Pistorius thing, you know, yesterday he was charged for, uh, he's now officially charged for murder. Can we now laugh at that? I felt like just after as well with the shooting and people already making fun of it, like a month after. I was like, yo, are you guys? People were making fun of it the day. <laughs> on the, the day, day of the oh, murder. Uh, yes, because I remember. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. were making fun of it. People were saying things like, oh, shame, I, well, at least, uh, Oscar won't be like the boyfriend of the year. Now we know what not to do on Valentine's Day. I was like, you guys, it is today. So are there some things that you should sort of just stay away from though? Um, no, no, I I don't, I don't have a filter. You just go at it. I, I, I will make jokes about anything. What about there's, there's one touchy subject I probably wouldn't make jokes about in, what, what's that? Um, rape. Yeah. I okay. would probably not do. I have tried it before and it did not go off. <laughs> I, like the thing is, you didn't even have to tell the joke. I wasn't there. I'm already cringing. <laughs> My skin is so, falling for you. You had to learn the hard way not to do that. Yeah, I had to learn the hard way. Although some people did laugh at it, which was kind of creepy. Yeah. I don't know who was creepy. Me making the joke or them laughing at the joke. Oh, no. So I was, no. I was still deciding who was creepier. How do you deal with not getting the reaction you wanted after a joke? You know, the comedians call it dying on stage. Oh, I usually just tell the audience they're wrong and it's funny. What was your worst experience of death on stage? The worst experience? Yeah. Um, I don't have one worst experience. In comedy, there's a lot of those. There's a lot of... It's, it's all you can miss sometimes. You know, when you're coming up, it's all like... You're trying uh-huh. to be funny. Sometimes you don't know what really is funny. Yeah. So I did have some nights where it's like, yeah, this is some. There were nights I did one gig, um, and there was a dog in the audience. A dog. Yeah. A literal fall. Every time you want to eat a punchline, the dog barks. Like the dog knew. I've never seen a dog with such perfect timing. That well, dog, I would yeah. just ask, what is a dog doing in my in the middle of my comedy what routine? Is doing exactly. Half past nine at a restaurant. What yeah. is a dog doing there? That, that's the true yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, then I just feel like that must be the weirdest thing. More than that, though, how do you leave and still be able to pat yourself on the back and go like, oh, you know what, at least you tried. Because I always say, when it comes to people in the entertainment or the arts, basically any sort of creative industry, it's so weird because you base how good you are of the audience. Yeah. On, on what only other audience, people say about only you. Only audience can... Exactly. And it's you difficult know. walking out of there going, and you see other comics have done well for the night. Cause sometimes, cause not everyone does well yeah. all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. there are nights where some guys do really well and some guys, they hide, you know? Yeah. But then now you're walking out and you're the guy next to the guy who did really well. And he's like, wow, you were so good. He says to the guy next to you, wow, you're so good. You're okay. Oh. You, are, you are good too. 
Mm. You don't want to be the good to guy. How do you not take that personally? Um, it's just one of those things. You you win some, you lose some. Mm. There's gonna be other nights where you're gonna be the guy. Everyone's gonna be like, "Yeah, you were amazing that yeah. night." And, and I, I think a, a, a fascinating thing about comedy or any, once again, any sort of creative industry is you can never sit comfortably, you know, in your position. You can never say, ah, I've now made it. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Every time I walk onto that stage, people will laugh. It's, it can never be a guarantee. So does that work well? Does that motivate you and keep you creative and inspired? Yes, it keeps me on my toes. I mean, Audiences do not want to hear the same jokes all the time. They're exactly. Like, yeah, how many times have you done that joke about you stealing golf, Stellan? <laughs> like, <how> many- <laughs> you know what I mean? What is it? They want to hear that all the time. So yeah. you're going to need to keep coming up with fresh stuff. Mm-hmm. And But we are can- our country is uh, rich with information. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we've got a, we, are, we have apartheid. Yes. There are some yes. funny things that happened in apartheid. You know, still to this day, I think... As much as we've been through as a country and we go through so much all the time, I would think being a comedian, you grab your newspaper and as you're flipping through it or just going onto Twitter and seeing <laughs> yeah, what people are saying, it, yeah. that's your material, right? Yeah, that's, enough. that's like, uh, we just, there's so many things happening. Man. Yeah. So many things. In my, even my neighborhood where I stay in, I stay in a, in a mainly colored <laughs> neighborhood. So there's a lot of color people where I stay. Yes. And. We're just funny people, man. And yeah, but that's another thing. You know, how do we not fall into stereotypes of comedy? That's why that's, I, I. Like, not all colored people are violent. No, no, they're not all. I'm violent, a black yeah. person. I don't eat KFC. Yeah, yeah. And I actually don't... like swimming. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the thing. I don't, I don't, I don't do. St- I don't do stereotypes necessarily. I tell stories that happen. So uh-huh. it's not a stereotype if it's true. A stereotype true. is a, is a false. It's what um, the white people. No, no, no. Listen, 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 listen to white people. No, no, these ones. You said not these ones. I'm talking about the white people back then. Okay, they they instill those stereotypes. They kind of instill those stereotypes in us. Made us believe because some people, some races, even believe that they are those people. Like they would justify. Like I would see an angry colored guy and he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm colored," and I'm like. Okay, why does that mean you have to fight? True. You know true, what I mean? You true. took that stereotype and it's like, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah. You were not like, no, no, no. I don't yeah, want to show you anything. Listen, to be honest, as much as I'm the black person who's vegetarian, I'm also the black person who's always late. <laughs> and when I rock up, I'm just like, well. <laughs> <laughs> See, we all use that stereotype. Yeah. I think stereotypes help. Yeah, yeah stereotypes sometimes help. Like, I, there's many times where I got out of a robbery. <laughs> There's many times it's like, I was going to rob you first. <laughs> <laughs> and that's true though. Yeah, I was going to rob you first. Like, what? Oh, I just, when they, when, when they rock up when you, they're just like, yeah, give me your phone. And I'm like, Fata Chino Jose. You're like, oh, bro, okay. Bro, uh, they know and they're like, ah, the wrong person. <laughs> oh, you colored guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so stereotypes has helped me through life sometimes. Sometimes I just, but also it has its negative connotations. Wow. Dylan, make us, like, try to help us here. How does it feel like when you put so much energy into a routine, when you're naturally nervous to go up onto stage, you're playing to quite a big crowd, and you stand up, and you hit that punchline, and the audience laughs, and you're like, yeah. (laughs) What does that feel like? Uh, I don't think there's a better feeling. There's a, I don't think there is a better feeling than, than that one. Yeah. Because, it's like when when the audience claps for a joke, you're like these people love it that much that they had to stop laughing and they just had to appreciate it. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. They couldn't do anything; they yeah. just just have to appreciate the joke, and that is an amazing feeling. It's way better than when people don't laugh. What is someone like the big the biggest crowd you've ever performed in front of? I've performed to like almost five thousand people sitting in front of you, five thousand people. Yeah. I was like, I did a center convention center, blacks only, David Cowles, blacks only. Yo. And just like completely, that is amazing. That's so much easier than 40 people or 50 people. Now, you see, I, I've once heard Janet Jackson also say that. She said she'd rather perform to like thousands of people all at once, more than one person. Oh, yeah, definitely. How does that make sense? It's just like, if 50% of the room laughs, that means 2,500 oh. people laugh. <laughs> that only two in the room True. and only one laugh. That's yeah. It's not gonna 
matter much. But for some for us, just average folk, that's kind of a lot. If I were to walk on stage with 5,000 people watching me, that's 10,000 eyes, I'd be like, okay, cool, deuces, thanks, I tried. <laughs> I would not even be able to walk onto that stage. It's, it's, pretty, it's more intimidating, that's for sure. It's mm-hmm. more intimidating to, to perform to 5,000 people. But they, 5,000 people have paid to come watch you laugh. Sometimes True. you're performing to like seven people. Those guys don't really want to be there. They just they want just, to They just the happen bar. to be there and yeah. then we set up a mic and all of those things. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So like 5,000 people who paid... They're not gonna be like they're gonna laugh. They you're just gonna say hello and they're gonna laugh. They're gonna make the most they of it. Yeah, they exactly. spent like over two hundred rand. Like they're gonna you know? <laughs> when gonna you laugh. when you look back at your career thus far, what are some of like what is you know, do you have any standout performances like, oh wow, I killed that set or it was just an awesome audience or it was just like a great energy all round? Um there's been quite a few. There's the one the one show I did at Shakisha. I literally just like standing ovation vibes. Wow, like that's how awesome! And I was early in my career, uh-huh. and then I walked off there real cocky. No. Ah, I'm the man. I can conquer anybody. I, ah. I, yeah, yeah. Then Monday came along. I had to do another show, <laughs> and they all just stared at me. You're like, okay, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe I'm not the man. Maybe that was. Maybe that was just my mom standing up. Um, and yeah, yeah. And that's one of my. <laughs> that's one of my. My and then also. Because I get, I got to open for Trevor. Mm-hmm. You were the opening act for. Is it true that uh, Trevor Noah's "That's Racist" is the best-selling comedy tour of all time? Of in, all time in, in South, South Africa, Africa, yes. Yes, yes, and you were there, Baba. You, <laughs> I listen. I would say unofficially slash officially. You were the reason why Trevor's <laughs> tour was successful. Yeah, I made him big, man. You made were the, big. Of course, <laughs> you didn't warm them up, you know, you would have had a tougher job. Yeah, I, I, I set him up, man. Yeah. So that was pretty, that tour was amazing. Just now that we've mentioned Trevor, we just have to talk about his success and all that he's achieved thus far. I know like some com- comedians are like, we know the guy <laughs> for years he's been talking about, but I really want to know, you know, when you were working with him, did you see that he had a long-term plan of like, okay, this is what I want to do and I'll be done, you know, with South Africa after this tour, then I'll travel, you know, to Australia and do a bit in the UK and eventually I want to do the Daily Show. Did he have those goals set for himself? When I met Trevor, he was already touring the world doing comedy. Mm-hmm. That's racist. He was already leaving Choburg. Yeah, because he had it. already even done the show on Mnet. Yeah, he had already yeah, done the yeah. show on Mnet. So he's be, he was already booming already. I mean, we did 30 nights at the Lyric Theatre. 30 nights? 30 sold-out nights at the Lyric Theatre. Was you this know, consecutive? Consecutive. So he basically had a residency at yeah, the Lyric. Yeah, he had a residency at the Lyric. Sold out. And I don't wow. know any other artist who's had a Lyric. He always had a residency at the Lyric. You know what I mean? Yeah. No one's there. That's so, like Celine Dion in Las Vegas, right? Yeah, that's, that's, like, like, yeah, that's Celine Dion in Las Vegas, right? <laughs> that's proper rock star. That is. That yeah, is. that's proper rock star. And so, I'm sure working alongside someone like him definitely motivated you as yeah, well in your own career. Me, man. Yeah, inspired me. Watching him... Get off stage and be like, oh, I didn't enjoy it. But I'm like, Trevor, they laugh. So you got a standing ovation at the end. Uh-huh. And Why? Is it, I assume for every comedian, though, it's a thing you're very hard on yourself. Oh, yeah. Very hard. About maybe your delivery wasn't as slick here or you didn't read the, the audience well. The yeah. There. yeah. So, yeah, he went and he, he'd come off stage and he'd be, I'm like, Trevor, but they were, they loved you, man. They yeah. loved you. So that's kind of where, where I want. That's, that's what I want to do, you know, get mm-hmm. off stage and be like, I need to go work on it. And that's how Trevor was. I've seen a guy night after night just come back and wow. just, just be better, man. Just yeah. be better night after night. you like, you watch him last night, you're like, ah, this is much different than, yeah. than the night before. Yeah. <laughs> so now Trevor. So no pressure now that you've worked so closely with him and he's <laughs> on the Daily Show. Yes. As if Don't Daily, even hook me up, If man. Daily Show with Dylan doesn't work out anytime <laughs> soon, that would be oh, a disappointment. Yeah. No, no, it won't be. Yeah. <laughs> no, it won't be. So let, let's make it happen. Yeah. Um, you've been named the king of the liner by the Star newspaper. You've received the Newcomer of the Year Award at the annual SA Comics Choice Awards in 2012. You know, you've performed in all these big productions. Like, is there still something that you're like, wow, you know, this... If I make this happen, then I'll be happy. Oh yeah, definitely. There's so many things that I that I have planned for my future uh-huh. uh, that I want. I want to release my own DVD, uh-huh. first, not be on someone else's DVD or whatever. Just my own. Yeah. People going out to buy your own DVD yeah. in your one man show. And then there's obviously sitcom. I want to write the sitcom. 
I I'm more a writer than an actor. Mm-hmm. I would love to write re- a really good sitcom, you know. Hey, like but listen, family vibes. Oh, like okay, that, we're talking that level, like that vibe, you know? yeah. Because I was saying, like, I've bummed into David Gower a couple of times here and then. And I always say, like, yo, if you guys could bring back PMS, you know, Pomonati show. <laughs> well, we've got Bantu hour now. So yeah, you see that I'm excited about. Yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely have to. It's it's on a Saturday, right? It's on a Saturday, half past nine. Yeah. So so like, shout out to Nina Hasty's in there. Nina Hasty's in there. You know, she's also on Cliff yeah. Central. So holler back. You know, yeah. Okay. So good. Yeah. We're good on that front. Um, and talking about you know other comedians, with with for example like singers. And you hear of like beef or rivalry or this one wants a dressing room away from that one <laughs> and just like ego for no apparent reason. Does that exist in the comedy world? Um, do you get someone going, I do not want to be associated with Dylan. If <laughs> Dylan's on the lineup, I'm not going to be there or Dylan better not get a dressing room like mine. Is there any of that? No, we're not, we're not the rappers. <laughs> we're not on I'm, some... I'm so glad you said rappers. You didn't mention names <laughs> because me and I don't want people Running after me. Yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> we know that. Okay, what way. does that person's name start with? Um, it starts with the A and ends with the A. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And the other one's a sn- stand. It starts with the C and ends with vest. <laughs> yo, yo, yo. That one. Just shout out to my homies out there doing uh, big things no, but in we, hip-hop. But, not, <laughs> but that's what, that's hip-hop's been beefing. There's yeah. like, it's a beef culture, you yeah, know what I mean? True, but comedy, we're not like... Angry comedians. Yeah, because I think another thing is you can compare musicians on their songs, like who has the better chorus and at the top of the charts. Uh, Comedy is just like, it's such a personal thing. Yeah, like, because it's your character, is, it's your personality. Laughter is, sub- yeah. is very subjective. Uh-huh. It's like very like, you can laugh at this thing and I might not find it funny. Yeah. But you know what I mean? So you can't really say someone is funnier than someone. True. It's not, I don't, you can be like that person is funnier to me. Like some people think I'm the best. Some people think Trevor Noah is the best. Cast on your vest. Yeah. Some people think Trevor Noah is the best. Some people think their cousin is the funniest person they've ever met, you know? Uh huh. So, yeah. Comedy is very. And so you can like go to David right now, David Gow, and you'll be like, yo, I I need some advice. I need some help. Uh, I don't know if this works or does this sound better. And that's a good thing. Like you guys support each other. Yeah, we are, we are quite the supportive bunch. I would say we, we, we stay behind after shows and be like, yo, I got something for your joke that can make it better. Yeah. yeah, I I can improve this and I can improve that for you. So, um, yeah, we're not a, we, we don't we don't fight we don't argue and stuff. Okay, but I think no we'll, diva. Yeah, no but diva. I think it would be kind of cool just to have some beef here and there. there no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I if you could pay for two comedians to beef, who would it be, and why? Like if you could see someone fight, I would like to. See, you see, Trevor Trevor Gumby also does a show with us here on yeah. Key Central. I would like to see him beef with someone. I would but love not, to see Trevor Gumby fight Chris Forrest. Yo, that'd yes. Be nice. That'd be a yes. nice fight, right? Not even like a, a verbal beef. I want like, no, like a, in a ring. Yes. A, in a ring, in a boxing ring, yeah. Who, that'd be awesome. <laughs> who do you think will like, who, who will win? Would win? Yeah. Um, my man is on, on Trevor Gumby. But Why? only because, only because Chris Rock is a lovable, I mean, Chris Forrest is a lovable supporter. <laughs> so, <laughs> that, so but I can't support Chris but, Forrest. But this is what I have to say, though. Trevor, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to out him on this because he's always on my case when he's here at the studio. So I'm yeah. going to tell you the truth. He likes to act all gangster. Meanwhile, no. He's a softie. He's such a softie. <laughs> Trevor is such like a poster boy for like goodness and wholeheartedness or whatnot. So he's far from yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, this is actually quite interesting. And you're working on so many things and you're achieving such great things as well. Let's talk about the show that you have tonight because I think it is, yeah, our, our comedy space in South Africa is making such great steps. You know, we now have our very own South African who's in New York on a New York board. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I do think now we have good attention surrounding South Africa. So on that note, let's talk about the show that you'll be performing in uh, tonight. Tonight's show is The Roast with Jeff Ross. Jeff Ross, who, if people don't know him, I will have to admit, I didn't know him before he did the roast of um, Justin Bieber. Oh, yeah? And I saw all of those weird promos of him, <laughs> and I was like, why are you... St-? Anyway, <laughs> so now I know who Jeff Ross is. He's the roast Justin master Bieber. general. He's uh-huh, the roast uh-huh. master general. And um, I am so excited to to be performing alongside him. 
Because I've been watching the roast. I'm a roast fan. Yeah. I've been watching the roast. And he's I been find on, them so awkward he's been sometimes. He's quite a bit of roast. But it's going to be more awkward tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> We're going to hurt each other's feelings tomorrow. So it's you, John Flismas is Trevor on it. Kumbi. Trevor Kumbi. Chris Also, maybe we can actually we get, can actually get tonight. They, they might just fight. <laughs> they might just fight. They might just fight tonight. I'm waiting for it. They I might just hurt each other's feelings that bad. You yeah. know? You never know. They're too, they're both actually softies now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, even better. <laughs> Two softies up against each other. Feelings and stuff. So it's tonight at 5 p.m. at Silver Sands. It's, it's at 5. The show starts at 8 though. Oh, okay. from five. Oh, sorry, the, I was invited from to the five, VIP. We're doing the VIP. Things, yeah, yeah, so like I'm at five. I'm that important. Okay, okay, awesome. I'm trying. <laughs> Please send me a more invitation so that I feel like a VIP. Anyway, but that's why I, I'm. I'm really. I'm. It's unfortunately I won't be able to be there. But I'm. I'm always so excited for opportunities like this because I feel like the comedy industry is growing in South Africa. Are you happy with where the, the state of comedy in South Africa? Yeah, we we had a pr- we Trevor has opened so many doors for mm-hmm. us, and I don't mean it because now I just seem like I'm a Trevor groupie, which I kind of am. Maybe I am. we <laughs> all like Trevor. Group. You know what? I I say the true mark of his success. I'm not taking away anything, you know, from what he's achieved yeah. thus far. But you know, you go overseas. You're like, I'm from South Africa. They're like, Oh, South Africa, like Mandela. But now you can go overseas. They're like South Africa, like Trevor. Trevor. No, I'm ah, like, ah, okay, we've made yeah, it. Yeah, we've made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now comedy's gone broader, gone bigger. Mm-hmm. We people, comics are no longer just boxing themselves into South Africa. Now our dreams are bigger now. Exactly. Now we find ourselves wanting to go. We find some comics wanting to go to New York and mm. some going to London. No, you so sign. No, you so signed, 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 signed in Australia. Yeah, yeah. So. The doors is open, man. Comedy is so, in a good state right now. So when you now look at where you'd like to be in five years' time, where would you like to be? You know, where would you like to see Dylan Oliphant in five years? In five years' time, uh-huh. hopefully, hopefully, I have my own my own sitcom. Yes, written written by Dylan Oliphant. Dylan's and be, diary. And be touring the world. With Dylan's days of our <laughs> Dylan's <laughs> days. I'm just giving you ideas here so that I get five percent. I don't know. I just want five percent. <laughs> And hopefully be touring the world, man, doing comedy in 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 as many places as as I can, you know. Yeah. China. Yeah. I can do comedy in Britain. Wow. And just do comedy everywhere, man. Even at home. But brother, I feel like you're you're on a good path here. Yeah? And I definitely do feel like thing this is just really the beginning for you. And I yeah. wish you Everything of the best. So thank you, thank much, you so man. much for stopping by this morning. Thank you for having All me. All the man. best. Cross fingers. What What do you guys say for like for stage actors? You say break a leg. What do you say to comedians before a show? Um, kill it. Okay. Okay. Don't kill die. It. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Okay. Oh, don't so, die is like <laughs> like when you're a bad comic. Yeah. Because you can't be like don't yeah. die. Well, you don't want to that's die. Not, that's not encouraging. Yeah. That's, but, oh. That's, you know, okay, like that's okay. like <laughs> like now I'm going to work. Don't die. <laughs> no, we do your work Nice, man Kill okay. it Kill it Kill it yeah. Dylan Oliver Thank you so much for stopping by this morning on Untapped Thank Untap you for having me, man So thank you so much to all of my guests And most importantly, thank you for listening We do this every single Friday From 9 till 10am Right here on cliffcentral.com My name is Sia And I'll see ya This is cliffcentral.com